Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. And welcome to episode 92 of the Tourpreneur Podcast, Robert Levitt in the south of France. How are you? Good morning, Shane. How are you? I'm really excited to share your story because you posted on our Facebook group. I woke up over the weekend to a flurry of likes and excitement and positivity because you had uh, posted about a tour that you had led either that day or the previous day in Nice, France. But before we get into that, because... I really want to share how you've adapted to the conditions there in France. Um, take us back to the start of the lockdown and when COVID hit. How did that look for you? For us, I was in Geneva trying to organize some Jewish heritage tours in the north of Italy when we, when we, well, when I became aware of what was going on. So up until that point, which was mid-February, I thought COVID was just something that occurred, you know, in China. And, yeah. and being in Italy, still, I was you know, I, I was I was sensitized to the issue. Then we had the big issues around the arrival conference in Berlin, which I planned to go to. And then the discussion about whether it was canceled. It was canceled, but I decided to go anyway. I had already bought the plane ticket and I had the hotel and I had several other meetings in Berlin. But one was really important to us because it was a specialized tour agency focused on European Jewish heritage. And this relationship was was real important because they were sending us more and more and more very high-end clients. And not only were all the meetings in Berlin eventually canceled, but a week later we got an email from this, uh, this agency that said that they were shutting their business after 20 years. So for us, it was like, you know, back to the starting gates because we, we've only been around since 2018 and we worked really hard to, to build up some of these relationships. And now all of a sudden they were, they were, you know, they were ended. And, uh, and then we found ourselves in a lockdown. So we were in full confinement here in France for almost two months where we were, you know, limited to leaving our house just a half a kilometer from, you know, from where we lived. That was all we could, we could go. And we had to bring with us a form that was um, specifying why we were leaving the house, et cetera, et cetera. So it was not a, a very um, optimistic uh, situation when we started. And the company that, that went under, the one that had been around for two decades, was that COVID related or? Well, I believe what they had done is they had taken a lot of deposits and things like this. They worked a lot with the cruise ships and um, they were going to be forced to refund everything. And I don't, I don't know if they could afford to do that, maintain their staff, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they shut down um, completely. Wow. I mean, it's just staggering to me that so early on, 
doing the because like, I was the same as you. I, I hate myself for this, Robert. But when all the news came of COVID, I thought, well, this is really sad, but it's happening over there, you know, as they say in German, dort drüben. <laughs> it's not yeah. happening here. And then right. now you look around with everybody in masks and I can't even get my hair cut right now. And that was something, you know, you, you'd said to me that you were surprised by the reaction of your Facebook post on the weekend. I said, yeah, because here we're still in lockdown. We're, we're starting to come out of lockdown. Like there's, you can eat outdoors, but there's a lot of restrictions that come with that that just make it very unwieldy for a business. So for us to see you leading a tour, you know, is hugely exciting. It's the first chink of light that we've seen. Can you talk to us about how you adapted to the rules that were placed on you in France? Well, we have a, a there were a number of rules on us and we we knew we wanted to go out and do something because we knew there was a, an interest of, of people to to explore because they couldn't go anywhere. There's a there's a restriction in in France that you can only go 100 kilometers from your house. So uh, we decided we were going to do a tour and we were going to do it socially distancing. So we were going to maintain a distance between the individuals. We were going to require everyone to wear face masks. Everyone had to provide to us in advance a document, which proved that they lived within a hundred kilometers of Nice. Mm-hmm. We brought with our uh, hand sanitizers. Uh, we were, we had to restrict the, the number of, of participants in the group because there was no congregation of more than 10 people. So that included for us, uh, the translator and the interpreter. And then, of course, put a mask, face mask on a speaker and nobody can hear them. Right. And so and of course, put the distance, um, you know, spread out uh, also an issue. So we we needed some kind of system. Did you know every weekday Shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest? Grab your copy of the Tourpreneur Daily Briefing at www.tourpreneur.com. So everyone had to prove that they lived within 100 kilometers. And and this, was, we were concerned because it was the first visit that was being done. We were a group. We were going to be obviously very visible to the police. And we were concerned that we were we would be controlled. We would be checked on to see what we were doing and why we were doing it. So if we didn't have these documents, if we relied on the participants to bring them with them, well, we, have, we would have no assurance that, you know, that they would have done the right thing and that probably would have ended up with us being being fined. And um, so we had everyone deliver them to us by email in advance. So the documents to prove where they lived was with us. When we had at one time, we had our, our guide who was uh, um, going to distribute some documents. So he made sure he used the hand sanitizer before he touched the documents and, and provided them to to all the individuals. We were limited by the number of participants because in France, the current regulation said you can only have congregations of up to 10 people. And that would include, in our case, both the, the guide and an interpreter. And um, and then, of course, if, you, if you're if you wearing a mask, how does anybody hear you? It's very difficult. So you have people um, covering their face at the same time, uh, keeping a distance. So we had to have a system of communication. So we didn't want to provide our normal system of communication because then we had all kinds of issues about the you know, disinfecting it in the proper way or, or whatever that would be. So we asked all the participants to download an application. In this case, it was the Unity application. So they could bring their own phone, their own uh, earphones, so they could listen to the to the presentation. And, and in this way, everybody was sort of safe in a sanitary way. Yeah, no, it's a really good idea. So they... They get the Unity apps. You tell them to download it. They have it on their phone. They're using their equipment and they're just they're listening to the guide through that app. That's right. And because we are doing it in multiple languages, 
they can listen in either French or English. Oh, that's cool. Wow. How, what's the, the costs for you uh, for utilizing that app? Well, at this point, we're still sort of in the test process. So there, there has not been any cost right. test to us. Um, but it's not perfect. Look, it's not perfect because there are certain areas we're walking yeah. through the old city and there are certain areas where the, the network is just not good. And, and of course, it's yeah. dependent on the network. And the other thing about this app is people that are living in the area, they're going to have a local telephone. So they're going to have 4G access. But if you are coming from Australia or from America or someplace else, you probably don't have a telephone with access to the, yeah. to the network. So therefore, it may not work very well for a foreign visitor. But you are targeting, obviously, because of the 100 kilometer radius, you're targeting locals. How did you go about promoting your tours to locals in the area? Well, the, you know, there's a couple of things about about designing local tours because they're not they're not the same as as if you were dealing with a a, a foreigner who who doesn't have the knowledge. I mean, it's, it's almost like if you're if you have a restaurant here in the countryside of France, it's it's designed for the locals, and if it's no good, the locals aren't going to come. So we also have to design in a local tour something that's going to be far far uh, deeper into you know into the culture and the history of the of Nice which in our case plays to our strengths because our organization is made up of historians and archivists and linguists so we are able to do that but if the if the presentation would not have been um good enough if we would have made mistakes if there were questions that we didn't answer our credibility can can very quickly can very quickly be hurt. So we're having, we're targeting people who have lived here and that have lived here. Some of them that were on our tour of more than 10 years, maybe more than 20 years. And we had to be able to find a whole sort of new series of visions and ideas, kind of like the niche you never knew. And, and this was, this was kind of a challenge because if we couldn't um, attract their attention very, very quickly, we would, well, we would, we would not be doing any, any more tours in the future. So the other thing that was very important for us is that it was a bilingual tour. If you do it, if we did a tour in English and all the people that we we're advertising to, promoting to, communicating to, we were communicating in English. But if we were an English speaking tour to local residents, we would have kind of lost credibility because someone who's lived here for for five years, 10 years or whatever, they're normally going to be able to speak French and they're going to prefer to hear the presentation in French because the, the depth of the vocabulary of the speakers are going to be far greater if they're a native French-speaking uh, person than if they try to make the presentation in English. But actually, we didn't even have a choice because our speakers, while they're very strong in their, in their technical background, they don't speak English. So we had to, to go with, the, with the, the bilingual approach. How did you market to locals? This is a big change for you, right? The marketing was was very um, uh, quick because we posted we posted on our Facebook site and we posted on an English speaking Facebook site. So basically a Facebook site that's that's read by some 10 or 20,000 uh, English speakers in the region. And in, in this case, uh, it, it filled up very, very quickly. And it has to because, you know, in Facebook, if you are, you know, you're going to be seen at the top of the page for what, an hour or two, not more right before you kind of fade away. So that's how we advertised it. We were, we were looking to fill basically eight places because we had a, a speaker interpreter. We had room for eight more and we had over 40 requests within, within a, basically a couple of hours, which continued wow. um, 
for the next sort of 48 hours, we ended up with more than 40 people that wanted to go on the, on the first visit. That's fantastic. Congratulations, Robert. So there's clearly, you know, there's clearly a lot of people that are, are, are um, very focused on, um, on activities because they have nothing to do. You know, they can't go, they can't leave, they can't, um, and, and they've been stuck in their houses for two months. So they're very, you know, they're very anxious to, to, to turn their sights towards the local activities or the local market or the local things to do. And now there are other people that are, you know, focusing on, you know, what do we do? This is the staycation era. And you know, there are people are looking for suggestions of each town of what people can do because people are looking for activities, you know, in, in the local region. Yeah, and we're going to be focusing on this a fair bit on the show because, you know, everyone's talked to death about virtual tours. (laughs) And now we hopefully are coming out of lockdown across the world. I keep seeing encouraging news from from, uh, all over the world. Uh, Who knows? And maybe even our governor will let us, uh, let me go and have my hair cut this week, you know? (laughs) Well, he may let you, but I'm not sure you want to, right? uh... (laughs) No, I do want to. I do. (laughs) I look like I'm a hippie right now. (laughs) Nothing wrong with hippies, but it's not my look. No, I really want to get my hair cut. But that's just an example of how cooped up we are and these basic things we can't do. And also... Uh, living in the state of Vermont, you know, I've not really done anything locally. You know, I traveled to Berlin and hit all the museums and attractions, but I've not really done much locally or I'll drive up to Montreal um, from here. But now I need to go and do things in my own state. So the challenge is for those tour operators here in Vermont is they need to market to me. So you were very smart getting on Facebook. Uh, I presume you'll be doing some some Facebook ads, etc. We will boost the times from time to time a a post that we do for like 15 euros or something like that. But it's not, it's not necessarily something that that's important to us, but look, there's a couple of things that's just really, really important besides bringing in people or besides the obvious. And this is that, that you, we have a team of people and if they're not working and I'm not, I'm not saying working for money, I'm saying working at all because they get depressed, you know, and, and, the, the group of people that we have, they love to be in front of people. They, they feed off of the energy of making presentations. And when they're, you know, when it's showtime, they're on. And this is so important because when they didn't have, when they had this couple of months of just being at home, they, you, you, could, you could tell that people were getting depressed on our, you know, on our team. And as soon as they were out there, you know, it was like everything was forgotten. They were, they were, you know, they were in the, they were in the limelight. They were in the show, you know, they were in the show, the, 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 the lights again. And, and, and this kind of thing I think was, was really important for the energy of the group. And also once we started doing activity, you know, it, it, the phone starts to ring and, and then we find that people are asking us not just for tours, but for other kinds of experiences, whether they, they just want to go off and, and take a hike with, you know, a group of friends or, or, and they need someone to take them or, or whatever this, you know, they see that we're, we're active. They see that we're in business. And if you go in and you look at sort of the competitors that, that used to be our competitors, their, their websites will say, you know, due to COVID-19, we are closed. Mm. So for the moment we have the, you know, we have the, the, the market to ourselves, which is a you know fantastic place to be. Even though ultimately we're not going to make a lot of money on the local market, we find that the local market at some point when their friends come from overseas, they're going to be looking at us. And our our particular product is is normally a private groups, you know, and it's quite expensive. We need to dominate our market. We need to be seen as the best player in the market. And 
And this is giving us an opportunity to do that, that I just can't, I can't believe because yeah. um, we are, we are, we are the, the show. So when we did our visit, we had two journalists that came with us and a photographer. So we got uh, press locally, we got press uh, internationally and um, this kind of publicity uh, we, you can't pay for. It's, um, it's really uh, helps us build our network. And this is, you know, for us, this is sort of the name of the game. You have to build the network, but it also gave us a chance to sort of break into the old boys network. I'm a, I'm American originally. So I'm not, you know, wasn't born here. Didn't go to school with all the, you know, the local functionaries, the local bureaucrats in the city of Nice and the office of tourism, which have always had kind of an in, an in that I didn't have before, but this is kind of reversing now. Because we're out there, we're promoting, we're taking these restrictions and we're not complaining about them, but we're actually implementing them and using them in a successful way. So we're building our relationship with the city of Nice, with the Office of Tourism in a way that that would have been very, very time consuming or would have taken years to do otherwise. Maybe we never could have done it. So there, there are so many side benefits to to this kind of thing. And then we're we're asking all the people that attend our tours now because we had not collected uh, recommendations for Google. So we're in turn asking them to give us Google recommendations. So, you know, it's just like, there's just like a win, win, win on, on all of, on all sides for, for operating in this environment. Yeah. And that's very smart what you've done with the media there, because I think it's a good lesson for all of us, for, for, entrepreneurs out there that are starting to lead towards, you know, the press are hungry for success, for positive stories right now. You know, there are two months of very negative headlines. They're looking for positive. They're looking for signs that the economy is, I, I don't want to use the word getting back to normal because we're a long way off that, but you know, there are green shoots of recovery, you know, whereas in the past, tour operators may be struggling to get any press attention. I'm pretty sure now, if you're the first one in your city or your town to be doing this, the press are going to be interested. So don't be scared of emailing the local editor or the newsroom saying, hey, we're leading our first tour on Saturday. Because they'd probably send a, a photographer as well. Um, I think that's very smart of you, Robert. Yes, this is, um, you know, because the, the, the angle that the reporter from the local, our local paper is called Nice Matan, but the angle that they were looking at was how are people reacting, you know, and how are they operating under COVID-19 yeah. and living in Nice, which is, which is a tourism town. I mean, in fact, tourism was born in Nice. This was the first town of tourism. So it's really, really important. And so to be able to see how somebody's operating within the confinements of the federal government's laws but still running activities was, was very attractive to the, to the press. How do you mean first town of tourism? Well, I mean in France or? No, Nice is the beginning of tourism in the world. I mean, it all began here in the, in the 18th century. Before, before Nice, there was tourism. What well, didn't, it wasn't tourism. There was pilgrimage, there was religious, and there was people traveling for business. But there weren't people that were traveling for leisure. And that all began in the, in the 18th century and it began here in Nice. So this was the beginning of what we call the Burso of, of tourism in the world. And at one point, uh, Nice was sort of the center of the world where all of the aristocracy from, from all around Europe would spend the winter here. There you go. I've learned something today, Robert. Yes, it's quite an interesting place with huge potential, like most places. But you have to, you know, you have to adapt to your situation. Obviously, the situation here in Nice is going to be very different from the situation in, in another city, whether it's Paris or Milan or in Vermont. Um, everybody's got their own strengths and their own weaknesses. But, but I think your point was really that showing the, the press and showing the local government as well, in our case, that you can do it. 
you can operate and you can be successful even under the constraints, I think is a very good feel good story that everybody's looking for. Definitely. What was the reaction of the guests after the tour? Well, the, re- the, the reaction was interesting because they gave the same kind of reaction they might have given if we had done sort of like a local based tour in January. They, their reaction was, wow, we learned all kinds of new things, you know, but, but they didn't even really focus on the fact that they were wearing masks or it, was, it wasn't even, it was kind of like forgotten. They didn't even think about it. It just became sort of normal, the, the new normal, natural that they would, yeah. they would go through. But I will tell you that as we walked through, this, through, the, through the old town of Nice, the merchants there were applauding the group. They were applauding wow. us because this was the first group of tourists. Now, they didn't understand that these were people that actually lived in the city, but they were applauding the fact that there was a tour going on because, you know, they were, they were so hungry for tourism. And to see it was happening was making, you know, was making everybody, uh, everybody happy. I salute you. And I thank you for sharing that on our Facebook group, because I know we were kind of joking or you were like, I'm surprised at how um, positively this has been received. But it is. It, everyone in the tour industry looks at that and says, wow, that's a little bit of normality. Yes, your guests were wearing masks and everything else. But here's a tour that's being led. It's not a virtual tour. It's not an online experience. This is what we all love doing. And I think you've given, you know, like I said, every country is different right now. Right? We have different laws and restrictions and circumstances. But you gave a lot of people hope this weekend, sir. Well, I tell you, you know, what happened was people that were on the tour then told their friends who are now joining the next tour, which we're doing on Friday. So it spreads, and um, and I think it's uh, it can only be a win win for for everybody, but particularly I think for uh, for Vianita and the and us as a tour operator. Great. Well, keep sharing the photos with us. I know you got a lot of fans now on the Facebook group and in the Torpreneur community. Thank you very much, Shane. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.